Benefits Like a Boss. Welcome to the Benefits Like a Boss podcast, supported by Nonstop Administration and Insurance Services. Nonstop is a mission-driven employee health benefits advisor, and we are committed to building health equity while reducing the cost of health insurance for employers and employees. Visit us at nonstophealth.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the Benefits Like a Boss podcast. As you know, we are here to bring you innovative leaders and we're here to find the change makers and bring them to you to listen in to hopefully inspire change within your own organizations. I am your host, Leslie Brown Albright, and I am of course joined by my energetic and charismatic co-host, Derek Smith. Derek, how's it going today? Fantabulous. I, so, oh, you so, got that so, deep no, radio voice. You know, that's the thing, like, because we haven't recorded the podcast in a while. And every time yep. I put the headphones on, it, it sounds different on the mic <laughs> and with the headphones on, you know, so I feel like I have to put on like a radio voice. But no, I'm good, Leslie. It's, it's good to be back. Benefits like a boss and uh, talking to everybody listening to us. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, okay, so full transparency, Derek and I were fortunate enough to be a part of recording a live show where we got to actually be in the room with many leaders at the National Association of Community Health Centers Community Health Institute Conference. And we had the opportunity to interview just two of the dynamic leaders, Ed Lujano, the CEO of Castle Family Health Centers in California, and the CEO of Trillium Health in New York, in Rochester, New York, Andrea DeMeo. Now, this was really special uh, for us. And this is a different kind of show than we've done in the past. This is not about us. This is about them. And this is about the lookalike community. They are federally qualified health centers, but they are considered lookalikes and they've got something that they need to get out to the world. They've got a message. They've got a challenge that they're facing and that's funding. You know, they really need for us to join their fight, to join our voices together, to strengthen their voice as one. And that's what we're here doing today, Derek. Yeah, absolutely. Leslie, I think you and I are extremely passionate about the art of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this particular conversation was very different um, in that, yes. you know, outside of the walls of or, or the environments, the atmosphere of community health centers, FQHCs, I feel like a lot of times people don't know what community health centers are unless you're in yep. that in that sphere. Even maybe some of their clients don't realize that the health center, the provider that they're going to see is an FQAC or a lookalike, right? And so like this conversation was educational for me and I'm inside the walls, right? Like we have these conversations. I'm familiar with, you know, FQHCs and, and, and the associations associated with them, but I learned something and I know that these kinds of conversations uh, provide opportunities for these stories to be told yes. within the, the the network of community health centers. But uh, again, uh, beyond the walls as well. So th- this was an emotional conversation for me because I could hear the yeah. stories that were being told. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned um, education because I got to be honest, I learned a lot um, prepping for the show, doing the show. This was massive. This was massive. I know for you and I both personally. Yeah. So God, what an honor to be a part of this. Yeah. 
I'm not going to dive into what a lookalike is because I think that Andrea and Ed say it perfectly in the show. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and let them explain to the audience what the nuance of that is. So I think, Derek, let's just go ahead and listen in. Yeah, let's jump right in. Let's do it. Welcome, Andrea and Ed. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for having us. Yes. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Well, let's get started. Um, Ed, I would love for you to talk a little bit about your lookalike community health center there in California. Share with the audience what your mission is. Sure. Well, we've been a lookalike since 2010. Again, we're in Central California, uh, actually at Water, and uh, we've been uh, we were a rural health center prior to, and then we transitioned over into a lookalike in in 2010, and we've just been uh, in this in this stage, I guess you could say, uh, for this last 12 years, hoping to to get uh, a transition to to become a federally funded 330 grantee. But it's 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 a waiting game, and it's a process of applying and just seeing if lucky to be awarded that grant. Great. And Andrea, how about for you at Trillium Health in New York? Yeah, thank you. So we're across the nation from that. (laughs) Perfect. We are in New York State, in upstate New York, uh, Rochester, New York. Our organization started in the 1980s uh, during the height of the HIV AIDS epidemic um, as an AIDS uh, provider. And we've evolved over the years, um, broadened our mission to care for all people. We stand for stigma and judgment free care. Uh, We still care very much for the LGBTQ community. We're a leading provider for sexual health, HIV prevention and treatment. And we care for all people. That is beautiful. Thank you both. Andrea, for the people that are listening to today's conversation, uh, can we get you to explain the difference between a lookalike and a 330 grantee community health center? So let me take it in reverse order. So a 330 grantee, they're actually awarded federal funds through under um, Section 330 of the public health law that allows the Health Resource Service Agency to award grants to support community health centers. And they have a number of program requirements they need to meet in order to maintain their status as a local as a federally qualified health center 330. Lookalikes look like a FQHC or a 330 grantee in that we're held to all the same program requirements. We share the mission uh, to serve all people, but particularly people living in low income and the underserved. But the big difference is that we don't receive federal funding and that mm. makes it very difficult for us to sustain our financial sustainability. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk through some of the challenges that uh, you and your organizations that are lookalikes face being classified as a lookalike community health center rather than a 330 grantee? You know, funding being one of those challenges. And if we could get you to talk a little bit about, you know, what the lookalikes face year to year when it comes to federal funding of the centers. Sure. And I think, as Andrea had said previously, people don't even know what lookalikes are. We can come to our own associations, be it state or or the federal, you know, here we are with at the National Association and there's still people saying, what's it look like? Yeah. Right. You know, so I, I think it's educating people. This is why we've all come together to let people know we're here mm-hmm. and what, what we stand for and how we got created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes, the funding is, is a big question for us is, is because obviously it supports our organization, but it also allows us to grow and expand our services, which is something where we have challenges with. And in today's time, uh, you know, with everything, all the rising costs, and everything, all the other expectations, we're still expected to meet those same needs, uh, but with more limited dollars. Yes. So really the, the challenge uh, being a lookalike is being able to, to sustain ourselves in the, in the long run. 
Wow. Andrea, we read in a study recently, and we'd like to take it a little bit further, that routinely lookalikes are ineligible to become FQHCs and, you know, are ineligible to receive those HRSA dollars. Why is this? And if you talk a little bit about the new access point application process. So it's not that we're ineligible to receive status. We are eligible. The difficulty for us is that when um, Congress agrees to fund new access points, which means create new community health centers across our country. Okay. We have to compete by submitting a very resource intensive application. And that application is then scored. And with a limited pot of money, only so many applicants get uh, scored as a new access point. The difficulty for us, as Ed just said, is that we are doing the work. Our communities need us and depend upon us. Right. And the last go around for point of reference, there were 500 applications for new access points in 2019, and only 75 were funded. Wow. And only a smaller proportion of those were lookalikes. So for us, we're doing the work. We were called upon during COVID. We were first responders. Um, Trillium Health, for example, was the first to respond with our mobile access clinic to get testing into communities where there was limited access and get vaccines into arms. Sure. And also to address the fear of, of vaccination. So we're delivering on the public health mission. We need to be able to receive the funding and the new access point. There's no guarantee because we're competing against other applicants across this country. Right. Wow. Uh, I, I think we're learning as we're coming along to these conversations as well. Yeah. Uh, just like you said, Ed, you know, it's about um, education and, and communicating out, um, you know, for, for everyone. So um, thank you for sharing that. I have to talk about and I want to kind of talk about this candidly a little bit. What would happen to your communities if your lookalikes we're not able to see receive funding and we're and I mean, I'm going to go really extreme and, and had to close. Well, you know, it, it would devastate our community. We're the only uh, community health center in our city, the Atwater. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just during this pandemic, I mean, we had easily 250 to 300 cars lined up in our urgent care daily wow. uh, to be tested, you know, and, and not just one person in the car. So it was a family being tested. Sure. And you ask yourself, where would these people go? Right. You know, along with just your other care. And, and services that we provide. I think, you know, we're, we're a fairly large center. We, we see about 135,000 visits per year. So, you know, there is no place for them. Yeah. There'd be no place for them. They'd be going to their emergency rooms because our neighboring community health centers in the other towns are already at capacity. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it would it would be a challenge to to their centers, to our hospital and to our community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Andre, I'm going to ask you the same question and, and I'm going to sort of use your your own words, um, you know, with with your mission to serve the nation's most vulnerable population. How about for you in New York? Well, it would be just the same as it would be, as Ed um, has articulated, in that we provided 46,000 visits last year. We provided 250,000 pounds of food. Wow. You know, the work that we do is lookalikes and uh, for the FQHC lookalikes goes beyond the medical care that we provide. We're a harm reduction site. We know that the opiate epidemic is not going away. It's lived mm-hmm. as alongside the COVID pandemic as well. And, and there, there's not the capacity in our community to be able to continue to provide the care. We're unique in that we have a transgender center of excellence. We have 1,200 transgender patients. We're the only ones in the region. There'd be nowhere for our patients to go to receive that care. And again, as I mentioned, we are the leading provider of HIV prevention and treatment. And that epidemic lives alongside the opiate epidemic. And as we continue to respond to COVID and now the monkeypox. Wow. Um, And this question is for the both of you, Ed. I'd like to, to kind of get you to chime in first. You know, this seems like an extremely tough uphill battle. Where do we go from here? 
<laughs> well, I wish it was an easy fix. <laughs> uh, then we wouldn't be here, right? Yeah. Right, right. Um, but it's not an easy fix. But you know, where where do we go? Is where where we are today. Okay. You know, we've we've uh, collaborated with our other counterparts across the nation, our other lookalikes. Uh, we have this committee now that we're able to talk to those individuals at HRSA and NAC and all the other other different uh, affiliates, be it be it our own our own Congress people and senators, uh, to try to start letting them realize that, you know, we also need support. We need help. And where do we start from here? It's, it is an uphill battle, but we're moving. And that's the positive thing is that we're not standing still. We're not just waiting. We're making things change. Yeah. Yeah. Andrea. Well, I would say, where do we go from here? We go to our National Association of Community Health Center, which we're here. We go to HRSA and we go to Congress. And it's really going to take the attention from all three organizations to find a pathway for lookalikes to be able to receive the 330 grantee status. That's great. Um, thank you for, for saying that. And that's a great question, Derek. I love that you asked that. So I want to talk a little bit more about the Lookalike Coalition. Um, Andrea, you have been key along with Bev Harbin, the CEO of Hiowa Health in Hawaii, in bringing this coalition together. And I actually overheard Bev saying something that I wrote down that I wanted to share with everyone. Um, If you don't have a lot of money, you have to have a lot of voices. And it was just a beautiful thing to hear to say uh, I felt that pretty deeply because you all have been brave in, in bringing this together and strong and you guys are all stronger together all 115 of you it's a wonderful wonderful thing to be a part of and, and to witness talk to us a little bit about why the coalition was founded and how it's advocating for the greater good of lookalikes across the country so I think if, if Bev was sitting here, she'd say it was founded because we realized the inequity um, and that we're here to address health equity across the station, particularly during this very, very important time where racism still exists, all sorts of um, judgment, um, stigma against populations that deserve equal access, equal care. Um, so that was really her energy, Bev's energy that started it. Our good fortune, after much persistence, she and I met and I said, <laughs> sign me up. Um, and let me help. And then our, our dear friends at the Wright Center in Pennsylvania joined us as well. Then Ed in California and Jeffy Iskoff from, from Chicago. Um, and we saw we had a, a social hour just before our podcast this uh, late afternoon. And we saw the turnout and the number of other leaders of lookalike. So we are stronger together. Um, in, in Bev's words, without money, we need the strength of our voices. Um, this country needs us. Yes. Collectively, we serve close to 800, 850,000 individuals, whether the U.S. citizens or not. Um, but the whole whole community health center movement is founded on providing access to care. Yes. And so lookalikes are part of that safety net to be here for all the communities where we reside right. and we, where we provide our services. 100%. 100%. Now, be honest, did you go to Hawaii or did she come to New York? <laughs> <laughs> it was a virtual meeting. I mean, you know, New York is wonderful, but I, I think I know where I would be trying to go to. Yeah. I'm with you 100%. Yeah. <laughs> great, great. Andrea, looking ahead, uh, you know, what are the next steps for the Lookalike Coalition? We have to find common ground. Um, we need to work with the decision makers. Um, again, our mantra is that we're one safety net. It's not lookalikes against 330 grantees. We all share the same obligation and our hearts are here because of the people that we care for. So continuing to work with our National Association of Community Health Centers, with HRSA, with Congress, and with each other, get more and more lookalikes involved. So there's many more voices to address the need across the country. Yeah, absolutely. 
So talking about like a timeline for success of the coalition um, and talk about the greatest win from your perspective that you've seen so far for the lookalikes. Wow. Well, there's been several, actually. You know, one is just coming together because we've, we've always been an individual and now we're collectively a unit. And I think that's one of the, the major successes as a whole. Sure. Then, of course, advocating uh, for the dollars. We did the art funding and, and uh, you know, the recognition by NAC that we do, we are here, we exist and bringing us here, giving us the opportunity to meet here. And I think there was um, what other funding did we get from? Well, I, I would say thank you, Ed. One of the major wins is getting legislative language uh, in, in the American Rescue Plan. Um, again, I, I need to credit uh, the Wright Center, who's members of the steering committee um, and their lobbyists who, who helped to get this. So it's helping slowly to set precedent because it's very simple. It has to just say and lookalikes. Yes. Mm. Yeah. You just mentioned, uh, you know, coming together and, and Andrea, you just mentioned the social that we just were a part of. And again, nonstop was honored to be a part of that inaugural event. Um, you know, how do you feel that, you know, event went, was it successful? And how did it feel to have everybody come together in one room for the first time? It felt great. And we want to thank you for your support because OnStop would not happen without you. And it was great to meet you in advance. Um, the energy in the room, seeing folks from across the country, yeah. again, knowing that um, we're in this together. Yes. And, you know, all of us that have chosen this for our life's work, it's not easy. You know, it's hard work, but we choose it again because um, it's where our heart is. And seen a lot of people together that shares the heart mission Most made definitely. a whole, whole big difference. Most definitely. Meeting our counterparts. Yeah. Because that's really, you know, yes. our counterparts across the nation. And, you know, uh, this is uh, the first time I met Andrea in person. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, on the escalator. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, because it was always by Zoom. So, yeah. you know, putting the face to the organization and at the same time, you know, sharing information because, you know, obviously there's a lot of consultants out there that they can use, but, but there's a lot of small small centers, there's a lot of new start centers and all of us have, all of us have knowledge yes. and to be able to share that knowledge between all of us, whatever it is to help out another fellow organization is powerful. And that's how you come together too. Yeah, that's huge. And we are so grateful to be a part of this, um, you know, because we we believe in what you're doing as well. So it's an honor. So thank you. I'm going to shift just a little bit here, um, you know, because you, you are both uh, leaders of sizable organizations. I want to talk a little bit about the workforce crisis. And, you know, that's affected everyone, no matter where you are in the country, what you're doing and how have you each been faring when it comes to retaining and recruiting talent? It's very difficult. Um, again, as a lookalike, our sources of revenue funding are very limited and there's increasing competition for a shortage of healthcare workers. Um, so you couple that also with the, the burnout uh, for direct care providers during COVID and some folks are choosing to leave healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, I, for, for me, because I'm in New York, we are advocating for some changes in the regulatory environment. Um, we know that we're living in the midst of a nursing shortage, um, primary care physicians, and uh, we're looking for ways to advocate for medical office assistants or other paraprofessionals to be able to do some of the work so nurses can nurse, providers can provide. Oh, yes. And there's an answer to that is really providing flexibility where we can use other modes of care delivery. Telehealth is here, is here to stay Great. Um, as a result of COVID because we're not going to be able to provide the care unless we address the workforce shortage. And it's hard. We compete against major health systems um, whose Revenue streams may be challenged, but they have greater resources than we do to retain the talent that we have to deliver the care that we provide. 
Sure. Yeah, and I think I and Jared pretty much uh, covered all all, all aspects yeah. of what we you know, <laughs> say and, and, and no. say ditto. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it, it's learning a new way of doing what we've been doing all these years. Mm. Yes. You know, it's That's, just through telemedicine or just how we provide the services. <laughs> you know, we, it's it's not the way it was. And it's now going to be the way it is. Sure. Yeah. Technology is here to stay for Absolutely. sure. That's mm-hmm. great. Absolutely. That's great. And I have to ask you, you know, directly about first dollar coverage, employee health benefits, because you are a client of ours, what that's meant for you and the leadership team to offer to employees that are caring for your community. You know, does this provide a, a sense of security knowing that they don't have to worry about co-pays to access their providers or pay for prescriptions? Well, we've been with nonstop now for, I think, about five years or so. And it's been one of our major recruiting tools because when we have our employees or recruiting for new employees and we tell them, you know, you come in, you know, we have a Cigna health plan, but you're not going to have any co-pays, no deductibles, no nothing out of your pocket. And they're looking at me like, are you sure? I go, yeah, no. <laughs> well, I go, let me tell you, if you go to the emergency room and you don't end up staying, you got to pay hundred dollars, yeah. but that's it, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's been a big recruiting tool for us. And, 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 and at the same time, a savings tool, because it's, I think three or four out of those five years, we've been able to get residual dollars back on our premiums. Great. Which is, you know, it, sometimes it's like fifty dollars to $80,000, and that's a big chunk of money coming back to us. Sure. So it, it's been a great recruiting tool for us. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, well, I think we're coming to the end of the podcast and just kind of want to wrap things up and ask each of you, what is something that you would want leaders to walk away from after listening to this podcast? What do you want them to know about advocacy for lookalikes? What do you want them to know about lookalikes and the fight? Take it from here. I would say to leaders, there was just a joint consensus report that came out you know, by the academies of, of engineering, medicine, and science. And the focus is how to strengthen primary care across this country. And so I would say you can't do it without sustaining the providers we have today. And that includes lookalikes. We are one safety net let's sustain what we have and let's build what we need gee okay (laughs) (laughs) okay you know i I think i would say regardless of your of your size how long you've been a lookalike and where you're located we all need to continue to work together to keep this movement moving forward and uh, you know to the ultimate goal of becoming a 330 funded health center love it love it Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for sharing your stories, for talking to us, for teaching us. Yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, to be a part of this inaugural event here at CHI in Chicago this year, after not having had the opportunity to connect in person and see each other's faces for so long, we're honored to be a part of it. And uh, we hope to continue to help move the movement forward. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Oh my gosh. So Derek, I mean, listening to that all over again, I'm filled with so much inspiration and so many emotions and just a phenomenal show. And what a true honor to be able to, you know, sit and, and as you said it perfectly in the beginning, listen to the story uh, listen to the challenges yeah. and listen to the solutions that they're bringing forward. What an honor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to hear some of the challenges that they are facing both in the field, mm-hmm. on the front lines 
and then legislatively, yes. if that's the best word yeah. to describe yeah. it, you know, as, as as it relates to the politics that are involved with them being recognized and getting the same type of visibility and access and funding as some of the, you know, fully recognized mm-hmm. FQACs. I, I think that's an interesting uh, fight that they have. Yes. And I think to be a part of this inaugural lookalike networking happy hour and be a part of the solution to amplifying their voices was truly an honor. Mm. And um, I'm very much looking forward to doing this again. Oh, man, I definitely agree with you. And, you know, I just want to encourage everyone who is listening in to go out and take a look into the lookalike advocacy coalition. And if you are a lookalike and you're listening to this and you are not a part of this coalition, please, please, please reach out to these dynamic leaders um, and get involved. Your voices matter. Your voices count. And as communities, we need all of you. We need you. We need you. Well, Derek, let's go ahead and wrap this show up. And as you love to say, let's take this plane in for a landing. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us again on the Benefits Like a Boss podcast. We're going to look forward to uh, sharing more shows with you in the future. And Derek, thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having me. We're back. We're back. Benefits Like a Boss. (laughs) That's my radio voice. (laughs) Perfect. Benefits Like a Boss. Today's episode was supported by Nonstop Administration and Insurance Services. Nonstop believes that healthcare should be affordable and accessible. If employee health benefits are a workforce or financial challenge for your organization, visit us at nonstophealth.com. 